Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Do you need police, fire, or medical? Uh, medical. I think I killed my mommy. Do you know who the person is? No, I don't know who he is. I just had a 12-year-old boy show up here at my front door asking for help. He's obviously covered in wounds. All right, we need the cops here as soon as possible. 911 calls usually start a criminal case, and they can sometimes be some of the most important pieces of evidence. From an apparent confession to murder, to a mother finding her own son's body part, to a call that may have saved the life of a famous politician's husband, we're taking a look at some of the more revealing 911 phone calls in recent history. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. If you're ever in any kind of trouble, you know you call 911 for help, right? Dispatchers will be on the other end of the line. They're going to be ready to send out police or firefighters or emergency medical aid. But a little trivia for you, you might not know this. It actually might surprise you. 911 hasn't been around as long as you might think. The first call to 911 was made in February of 1968. Now, before that, you had to call local numbers, all seven digits, to reach emergency services. Thank goodness that's changed. But in fact, in the last several years, departments have upgraded their 911 systems to include options like texting instead of calling. But today, those 911 phone calls are still important. They still save lives. And even separately from that, 911 phone calls can be used in court, in actual cases. They can be used to lay out a timeline. They can be used to provide details on a situation. They can even be used to incriminate a suspect. And so what we want to do is take a look at some of the more revealing 911 phone calls in recent memory. Now, sometimes a suspected criminal will call the police. On themselves. That's right. Admitting their crime over the phone to the emergency operator. That is what seemed to happen in the case of Hen Bustami, a Las Vegas woman who called 911. And I guarantee you, this is not a call that dispatchers receive often. Do you need police, fire, or medical? Uh, medical. I think I killed my mommy. Yeah, you heard that right. The then 28-year-old called 911 in October 2022 at around 2.30 in the morning saying she killed her mother in the home that they shared together. Why do you think you killed your mom? Because I did. I, I murdered her. Now, this call is at times quite graphic as the operator presses Bustami to learn more. How did you do that? Yeah. I, broke, I broke the table on her head. How did you kill her? You said something about a table? I broke the table on her head. You dropped the table on her head? I broke the table on her head and I cut her neck off. And you cut what? Her neck off. Yeah. She said, I broke the table on her head and cut her neck off. And when first responders arrive at the home, they find the body of her mother. 61-year-old Afaf Hussanin, 
She sustained multiple lacerations. Police believe Bustami killed her mother with shards of glass from a broken coffee table. And in fact, this is not the first time police had been called out to the home. No, there were reportedly calls about everything from family disturbances to a suicide attempt. Investigators said that officers with the Barstow Police Department and the California Highway Patrol located and detained Bustami in California shortly after finding her mother's body. And when they stopped Bustami, she was reportedly covered in blood and again admitted to killing her mother. She allegedly told a detective that she and her mother had gotten into a fight over cigarettes, of all things. Now, you might be looking at this case and saying, why does she seem familiar? Well, as Law and Crime had previously reported, Hen Bustami was arrested in the Harry Reid International Airport on a previous occasion, and she was charged with violating airport conduct. Apparently, she didn't pay for a meal at a restaurant, then slept near the security checkpoint, and when she was dealing with officers, she got belligerent. She said that she was only being harassed because the police had never seen someone so pretty. Can't say I've heard that defense before. Well, a Nevada grand jury indicted Bustami for the murder of her mother in March of 2023, and prosecutors said that they would not seek the death penalty when the case goes to trial, a trial where I imagine this 911 phone call will play a crucial role. Well, one of the wildest cases that we have ever covered here at Law & Crime is that of Taylor Shabiznis. She is the 25-year-old Wisconsin woman who strangled to death her former boyfriend, 25-year-old Shad Therion, during a sexual encounter at his mother's home, and then sexually abused his body and chopped the body up. Yeah, let me tell you right now how disturbing this is, okay? And in my opinion, how cold her actions were. She left his remains all over the house and in a car. Now, according to Shabiznis, the two had been doing meth. They started to fool around. That led to Shabiznis putting a dog collar around his neck and starting to choke him. But she says once she started squeezing his throat, she just couldn't stop because she wanted to see what would happen. During an interrogation, Shabiznis agrees with the detective that she, quote, effed up. By the way, this is the same woman who attacked her attorney in open court after her trial date was delayed. So just to give you an idea of who we're dealing with. But let's go to the 911 phone call because in this case, it is particularly haunting. It is Therion's mother, Tara Pakanish, who calls 911 and she has to be the one to relay to them that she found her son's head. Hey, And then we hear from Miss Pakanish's boyfriend. Tara had woken me up and uh, said she uh, thinks she found Chad, her son's, that's how she put it, I found my son's head in a bucket. So I'm dumbfounded. Didn't believe her. 
thought she was having a mental issue or something. I go downstairs and see what the hell she's talking about, and uh, I can't see anything, so uh, we go back upstairs and contemplate what the heck to do. Um, so what, I guess what do you do specifically when you go downstairs? Um, I went to the basement and observed a bucket that she said, but I, I, I don't know, my mind blocked it out, but all I seen was like hair like an animal or something. I didn't know what the heck. Horrifying. It's just horrifying. And Shabiznis even admitted this to police, showing that the 911 phone call wasn't an exaggeration. What did you do with the head? The head I put in that bucket, that black bucket. Black bucket? With the blanket on top. Okay. And then where did you leave it? Leave the head? The head's still in the bucket. It's right by the stairs. Honestly, it's just hard to comprehend sometimes people what they do. Well, that 911 phone call was played for the jury at her trial on top of her interrogation and all the other evidence. And you guessed it. She was convicted of first-degree intentional homicide, mutilating a corpse, and sexual abuse. Also, she was found to be sane at the time she committed this crime, so that insanity plea didn't really work out for her. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And at the time of this recording, she has not yet been sentenced, but she is facing the possibility of life in prison. All right, we go now to San Francisco, where a sometimes cryptic 911 phone call may have saved the life of a congresswoman's husband. Paul Pelosi, the husband of then Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, was home alone on October 28, 2022, when shortly after 2 a.m., a man is seen on surveillance footage breaking in. He allegedly demanded to speak with Pelosi's wife, but she was out of town. Now, at one point, Paul Pelosi was able to call the police. This is San Francisco Police. Do you need help? Oh, well, there's a gentleman uh, here just waiting for my wife to come back. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he's just uh, waiting for her to come back. She's not going to be here for a day, so I guess we'll have to wait. So you can hear just how careful Pelosi is trying to speak about his situation without alerting the intruder. And we have come to learn and find out that that intruder is David DePap. And here's the other startling aspect of this. DePap was holding a hammer. According to Pelosi, DePap kept repeating, where's Nancy, where's Nancy? But again, Nancy Pelosi was in Washington, D.C. This phone call, this 911 phone call, continues. Anyway, he's do, you know, do you know who the person is? No, I don't know who he is. He, 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 uh, 
uh, he has this. He told me. He told me not to. Uh, he told me not to do anything. Anyway, this this gentleman says that uh, he thinks everything ought to. You know, he, he told me to put the phone down and uh, just do what he said. Okay. It took the dispatcher a moment to catch on with what Pelosi was hinting at, and all of this as Pelosi tried to keep the pap calm. Okay, who? What's the gentleman's name? I don't know. What's that? My name's David. The name is David. Okay, and who is David? I, I don't know. What's that? I'm a friend of theirs. Yeah, I. I uh, he says he's a friend, but. But you, don't, but you don't know who he is? No, no, ma'am. Okay. He's telling me I'm being very leading, so I, I got to stop talking to you, okay? When this all came out, Long Crime spoke with trial attorney Catherine Lazardo, and she believes that Pelosi may have been trying to tip off the dispatcher without any retaliation from the suspect. Mr. Pelosi was speaking almost in code instead of saying, help, 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 there's an intruder here who has a hammer and might attack me. Maybe he sensed that already and and just wanted to calm things down. So the dispatcher sends officers to Pelosi's for a wellness check. And when Pelosi opened the door, police body camera video shows Pelosi and DePap standing in the doorway. And you can see Pelosi struggling with DePap to get hold of that hammer. When police tell DePap to put the hammer down, he appears to say nope, and then is seen swinging it at Pelosi, hitting him in the head. Police tackle him, send him to the ground. Pelosi underwent surgery to treat a skull fracture, as well as injuries to his hands and one arm. Thankfully, he was okay. He was released from the hospital. Police ended up logging several concerning items at the crime scene, like zip ties, duct tape, a second hammer, and gloves. DePap told police that he planned to hold Pelosi hostage maybe even break her kneecaps because he saw her as, quote, the leader of the pack of lies told by the Democratic Party. Turns out DePap is a Canadian citizen and was in the U.S. illegally, having overstayed his visa. Officials have charged DePap with both federal and state crimes, including attempted kidnapping and attempted murder. It is believed that Pelosi's call to 911 likely saved his life. Well, we've got another example now of suspects calling 911 on themselves, and that's what happened in Lancaster County, Nebraska. The sheriff's office posted a video on its Facebook page showing footage from an incident back in March. 911, where is your emergency? Um, I'm on Highway 77 going north, and there is somebody that is on the wrong side of the road. And then what, uh, did you see what color or type of vehicle it was? No, he had his brights on, man. He almost okay. ran me off the road. I am on the east lane. He was on the west lane. Okay. You, uh, could you tell if it was a car, truck, or SUV or anything? It looked like it looked like a truck. Okay, but that dude—he almost hit me. So I was like, "Holy!" But actually, it was the caller who was on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Now, thankfully, a deputy was able to stop him before he hit anyone. <laughs> yeah. Do you know why I stopped you? Yeah, because I was on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? No. And that's when the deputy realized that they had heard from this guy already that night. Were you the one that called in? Yep. You were? Yeah, because I thought somebody was on the wrong side of the road, bro. But it turned out it was you. Yep, look at dumb The sheriff's department didn't identify the man, but they did post the video to warn against drunk driving. 
All right, let's continue our conversation on some of the most revealing 911 phone calls. We're going to continue with a major case that we're following right now, an incredibly disturbing one, and it has an incredibly disturbing 911 phone call. I'm talking about the case of Ruby Frankie. This is the 41-year-old wife and mother of six whose claim to fame was now a defunct YouTube channel called Eight Passengers, documenting the life of their family out in Utah. It also stirred up controversy because of her parenting techniques, which critics said was absolutely cruel. Well, you fast forward to 2023, and she and her business partner, Jody Hildebrand, who had filmed videos together, they have each been charged with six counts of aggravated child abuse with respect to two of Frankie's young children. You see, police were alerted after Frankie's 12-year-old son escaped Hildebrandt's residence and ran to a neighbor asking for food and water. He was found emaciated with deep lacerations and duct tape on his extremities. When police arrived, they also found Frankie's 10-year-old daughter in similar condition. And that is when Frankie and Hildebrandt were taken into custody. But I want to focus on the 911 phone call that was placed by that neighbor of Hildebrandt. You want to talk about a powerful 911 phone call that reveals a lot and will prove pivotal at an upcoming criminal trial? Here you go. 911, the address of your emergency. Tell me exactly what's happened. I just had a 12-year-old boy show up here at my front door asking for help. We know there's been problems at this neighbor's house. He's emaciated. He's got tape around his legs. He's hungry and he's thirsty. And he asked us to call the police. What's so he's name? very afraid. This kid has obviously been... I think he's been... He's been detained. He's been... He's obviously covered in wounds. All right, we need the cops here as soon as possible. It's amazing that he talks about knowing that there were problems at Hildebrandt's house. It makes you wonder what kind of witness he would play at their upcoming trial or trials if the cases get severed. But you have this real-time recounting of what's going on with that child, and you can hear him getting emotional. By the way, thank goodness he was there to receive this young boy. While Frankie and Hildebrandt, they face, as I said, six counts of aggravated child abuse, and each count carries up to 15 years in prison. Over now to the case of former police officer Amber Geiger out in Dallas, Texas. So back on September 6, 2018, Geiger had just finished her more than 13-hour shift when she went back to her apartment complex. Now, keep in mind, she was still wearing her uniform. She was off duty. And at around 10 p.m., she walks into what she believes was her apartment, only she actually walked into the apartment of a neighbor, 26-year-old Botham Jean. When she sees him, thinking that he was an intruder, and she sees him approaching her, she takes out her weapon and shoots him in the chest, killing him. Jean was literally eating ice cream watching TV. So was he a threat? And on the flip side, did he know who was coming into his apartment? So Amber Geiger was charged with his murder, and she went on trial in 2019. And I'll tell you, in my opinion, one of the most pivotal pieces of evidence and most difficult to hear was her 911 phone call right after she shot him, because it tells us a lot. Dallas this is Carla. Where's your emergency? Hi, this is an off-duty officer. Um, can I get, I need emails. Um, uh, I'm in number. I What's missed, going on? I missed, I'm an off-duty officer. I thought it was in my apartment, and I shot a guy thinking that he was, thinking it was my apartment. 
you saw someone? Yes, I thought it was my apartment. I'm oh my god, I'm sorry. Okay, and the, where where are you at right now? I'm inside the apartment with him. Hey, come on. What's your name? I'm Amber Geiger. I need to get me. I'm I'm in. Okay, we have help on the way. I know, but I'm, I'm gonna lose my job. I thought it was my apartment. Yeah. I need I need my new supervisor. Hey bud. Hey bud. Hey bud. Come on. I thought it was my apartment. I thought it was my apartment. I could have sworn I parked on the third floor. Okay, I understand. I thought it was my apartment. I thought it was my apartment. Okay, and what what floor are you in right now? The fourth floor. Hey bud. Hey bud. They're coming. They're coming. I'm sorry, man. Okay, where was he? Where was he shot? He's on the top, top left. Oh my God, I'm done. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. Stay with me, bud. She's tired. Hurry. Are you? Over here. Over here. Okay, go ahead and talk to me. No, it's me. It's, I'm off duty. I'm off duty. I, I thought they were in my apartment. I thought this was my floor. Now, on the one hand story has always been consistent. She admits that she shot him. She always said, including on this first call, that she really did believe she entered her own apartment. And you can hear how panicked she was. And she said, I'm so tired, which the defense used to their advantage to suggest, how can you blame her after a 13 and a half hour shift? She's exhausted. She made a mistake. But the language that she uses where she seems more concerned about her own well-being, like, I'm going to lose my job. Now, I know this is a traumatic experience, but those comments may not have sat well with many people because that's the first thing you say. In the end, the jury convicted Amber Geiger of murder, believing she did not act reasonably under the circumstances and intended to kill him. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison and is up for parole in 2024. All right, let's wrap things up in Miami, Florida, where OnlyFans model Courtney Clenny stands accused of stabbing to death her live-in boyfriend, 28-year-old Christian Obumselli, back in April of 2022 in their apartment. Prosecutors claim 27-year-old Clenny, who is facing a second-degree murder charge, killed Obumselli in a domestic violence incident. Now, this is seemingly supported by surface surveillance footage from the elevator in their apartment complex showing an incident over a month before the killing where you can see Clenny hitting Obumselli repeatedly. Now, it seems that Clenny's attorneys are arguing that she acted in self-defense during this shooting, that she was the victim of domestic abuse in the relationship. It's certainly going to be an interesting trial to watch for many different reasons. But I will tell you, the 911 phone call from Clenny right after the stabbing I imagine this will play heavily in this case. Let's listen. What's Ma'am. So my boyfriend is dying of a stabbing. Ma'am, what is the address? What's the address? What's the address? 3131. 3131, North Reef, Northeast, Seven Tabs. Please, God, please. Come see okay, my boyfriend. I'm going to Ma'am, is this a house apartment or a business? 12745, Is this a house apartment or a business? So her seemingly saying, I'm sorry, could possibly be interpreted by a jury as her admitting she was at fault and regretting her decision. By the way, it seems to me that this also shows why prosecutors went with second degree murder and not first degree murder for her. Second degree murder in Florida is defined as, quote, the unlawful killing of a human being when perpetrated by any act imminently dangerous to another 
and evincing a depraved mind regardless of human life, although without any premeditated design to affect the death of any particular individual. So it doesn't seem like she planned to kill him or this was premeditated in any, in any way, but it happened from her engaging in an extremely dangerous act, namely using the knife. Now, let's play some more of this 911 phone call where she talks about the wound. He has a stab wound through his shoulder. Can you sit down? What do you mean he has a stab wound on his shoulder, ma'am? Yeah, he's bleeding from his shoulder. He's a blue guy. Please help. Please help. Please help. Please help. It's interesting that she says that because Clenny says that she stabbed him in the shoulder and Clenny tells authorities right after this that she threw the knife at him about 10 feet away but claimed she was acting in self-defense while the autopsy showed that he suffered a wound to the chest from the knife close range so no way this could have been her throwing the knife or at least that's what prosecutors suggest. So what actually did she do? Was she covering her tracks with these statements? Something to think about, something for the jury to think about. And then finally, in the 911 phone call, you actually hear Obam Selly. And I warn you, it is not easy to hear. Ma'am, listen to me. You need to stop screaming on the line and give me the address. say that he can't feel his arm that he's gonna die and then the phone goes silent as he presumably loses consciousness and we know that he later dies it's just really really sad to think about here i said these cases begin with a 911 phone call that can reveal a lot and certainly that is the case here we plan to cover her trial on lawn crime sidebar that's all we have for you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on Sidebar. We really do appreciate it. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time.